And a reminder, the first 30 minutes of this podcast are available on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, Google, and many of the major platforms. The full podcast is available at www.patreon.com forward slash SRB Media. SRB Media. Good evening, Gabby. Good evening, TC, and welcome all to our weekly podcast. Terry Curran's current view with the Idle of Hillsborough. You, Mr. Terry Curran, steady away, son. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Are you by a TV? Are you watching the Arsenal Man City game? No, I've, uh, I'm in the kitchen. They're watching football, but I'm, uh, I'm in the kitchen. But I saw the back. I thought that if Jack Grealish doesn't press him, he's just got um, an easy pass back, hasn't he? But yeah. Jack Grealish presses him. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's why it's a weak back pass. Yeah. And that's the value of pressing balls, pressing players, making some happen that possibly can, because if you just back off, it's got an easy back pass to the goalkeeper. Well, I was watching Vincent Cookney's coaching today at Burnley. Yeah. And it's totally, totally different from the English coaches. I would imagine it's very similar to Arteta and very similar to yeah. Pep. And and it, it does speak volumes, doesn't it? I'd quite like to see the way well, Marco Silva, Silva coaches as well. Quality of the pass. Yep. Right? Players understanding the game. Yep. Right? In and out of the ball. In and in with the ball and out with the ball, you have to be concentrated at all times. Yeah. And then you've got the you got to have a you've got to have the quality of the pass. Practice, practice on the training pitch. And Burnley. So everything I've said, I mean, that pressing, I tell people, when I was 22, 23. Yeah. But the English coaches are fearful of losing. They sit back. We've got to sit back. Take the, what is it? To take this thing out of the game. Yeah. Work hard, win the battle, win the right to play football. No, get the ball down. If I've heard that, I must have heard that. I've got to be more than 800 times. It's incredible, isn't it? I mean, it's just so stupid. And it's a narrative that, that's that's thrown out by broadcasters as well that listen to this garbage and keep propagating it. And and they just never, ever learn. Football is an art form. It's entertainment. Get the ball. Try and play the ball forward if you can and make things happen. It ain't you said science. maybe three months ago, four months ago, about the Premier League. Maybe longer. Mm. It's as though they wanted... And at first I thought to myself, mm, I'm not sure about that. Mm. You, you're 100%. We've been saying it for years on this podcast, too. Saying it for years. No, you said it first. I've got to listen. I'll always give credit where it's due. You said it. You know. Uh, but when, when, I've, when I've opened my eyes up to it, you can see what they're doing. It's all Premier League, Premier League, Premier League. They don't pay homage to players of the past. Sadly, the only time that they do that is when they pass away. Listen, and, and then they'll do a little documentary programme. But this is the flowers while how... they're alive. This is how much they want the Premier League to be, the Premier League and nothing else. Mm. I listened to Carragher the other day, and he's saying, Carragher, it doesn't make, make, make any difference whether you want a trophy or not. You know, 
His, his goal-scoring record stands up to uh, as good as anybody's. Well, Tottenham, Tottenham's not won, though. It didn't bother me. You know, of course I want to win something, but I weren't obsessed with it. No. I, w I was upset that... Uh, not upset. I was frustrated that, uh, you know, the two injuries I got at the, the major clubs. But how they're talking about, you know, Kane not winning major trophy for good down in Premier League history. He's never going to catch Jimmy Greaves. No, he can't. I mean, he's, he's, never going to catch it. he's still one behind and Jimmy. It's still, it's still the same Harry Kane. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. That, that, that there weren't, some of them didn't pick in these managers what got him on loan. That's the still the same Harry Kane, you know. Yeah. And Harry Bednar admitted, he, he said, I didn't think he'd make a footballer. I mean, with Harry Redknapp, Gareth Bale was playing at left back, wasn't he? And he yeah. was in and out the side. But, you know, players do, uh, all of a sudden, the penny drops and they score a goal. They're on a run. And, and Harry, from that first goal that he scored for Tottenham, got on a run and hasn't stopped. He, his goal scoring record is fantastic. And he is, in my opinion, still one behind Jimmy because I count the Charity Shield goals that he scored against Burnley in 1962. However, Didn't... Tottenham don't, and that's why he's one behind. But you have to then factor in that, that Jimmy scored 124 league goals for Chelsea, and then he scored a further 13 goals when he moved with the um, that part swap with uh, Martin Peters that took Martin Peters from West Ham to Tottenham in 1970. And... When you look at the full package, 357 top-flight goals, it will never, ever be equaled. No. Uh, keep going, guys, and try, but you and won't they can have as many it. games as the one. Absolutely. They can have as many games as the one. And this is the difference as well. I think Harry Kane has probably played, I don't know, another 150 games more than Jimmy, perhaps. I'm not sure. I haven't got the stats, but... His goal-scoring feats are superb, Harry Kane, and you can't knock him. He's the best at finishing that there is about today, but it just shows how brilliant Jimmy Greaves was. Playing in an era where we didn't play on these pristine pitches, players got kicked from pillar to post, and it was a far more difficult game to play back in those days. But there you go, you can only... None beat. of us... None of us... Uh, not questioning Harry Kane, but what we're questioning is how they're making him out to be the best thing since sliced bread. Oh, absolutely. Because, again, they forget she the players that went... Were... not goals. Yeah. Before he went to... Before he went to Premier League. Before he went to Premier League. You can certainly add... I think Shearer in top flight, I think I'm right in saying Shearer scored 287 in top flight. Again, a great goal scorer of modern times. And Shearer stands up. Harry Kane isn't in the top 10 of all time, but Alan Shearer is. And um, Shearer was a fantastic player. Harry's still got a lot to lot to go. Um, still got a lot of goals to score to get into the top 10 of all time. And what they always forget is the all-time goal-scoring list. They only focus on the last 30 years since the Premier invented, Sky invented football in the Premier League. And let's be quite honest, it wasn't even going to go on to Sky. The deal was done with ITV and Sky, right. Sky come in, pretty much hijacked it. And it was a whole new ball game, but it's the same ball game, guys. So we don't fall for it on the current view. It's not for the woke, this podcast, but yeah. it is for magic moments, too. So what magic moments did you source for us this week? 
I think we're going to have to stop Magic Moment because we're, we're doing a disservice to some of these other goals, but or some great Magic Moments. It's it's unreal. But I, I mean, I was going to go for Salas because he's gone from the 18 yes, yard box to counter attacking. Yeah, great ball. And having said that, I don't know what the keeper's doing because he's gone. There's no walkabouts. Unbelievable. Yeah. When I saw the keeper, I thought, well, I can't give him that, but I've given it to um, Mendy at uh, Leicester. Yeah. Great strike. Technique on that is, you know, he's kept his head down, got himself over the ball, a great goal. And, and the other one I've gone for, it's same game, was uh, on show, where he's like fumbled it a little bit and then he just paced and placed it into corner. Great result again for Leicester City. Tottenham, what Tottenham team turns up, we, we never know. Yeah, I uh, had a double. Tottenham winning 1-0. Sheffield Wednesday winning 2-0. Wednesday drew and Tottenham got beat 4-1. <laughs> Unbelievable, Jeff. <laughs> Yes, it is a funny old game. My magic moments, um, I loved Hannibal's free kick for Birmingham City against West Bromwich Albion, his first goal uh, in professional football. And I thought it was superb the way that he saw the goalkeeper uh, just slightly over to his right-hand side. And there was a little bit of uh, space there between him and the left-hand post that he could ping it into and he did and I did watch the Albion goalkeeper button and I thought blimey that'd have been better off if they played Jensen button in goal I thought he was absolutely awful but again that's the way it goes we you know, in yeah. Albion yeah when we you know when, when we look at our goalkeepers yeah. we used to have the best didn't we yeah we did and it, even even they have gone absolutely backwards compared to the European goalkeepers Absolutely, we've just. And we've I, try to be, I try to be fair with them, me. I really do. Some of the goalkeeping. Do you know what I think it is these days? I think goalkeepers, the way that they're coached these days, and the way that they're programmed these days, they actually concentrate more on being an outfield player in the first line of of attack rather than being a goalkeeper and stopping the ball from going in to the back of the net. I get uh, your point. I and, get your point. But I look at it slightly different from mm-hmm. you. They, they don't know how to coach how to play out from the back. No, they don't. The goalkeeper. Goal, Be a goalie, right? yeah. And they're doing it at the wrong time. Yeah. I mean, and, they, and I think as a consequence, they're making so many mistakes. And I think largely the referees are as well with the VAR. They, they, they have this situation to fall back onto and they don't referee the games as they would have back in the 70s. And I don't think goalkeepers play like they used to in the 70s because they, they seem preoccupied in trying to be an outfield player. Just concentrate on being a damn goalkeeper. But um, Jensen Button, yeah, I think he'd have been probably a better shouting goal for the Albion uh, last Friday night. Uh, Connor McMenamin I believe that's how you pronounce his name. Yeah, McMenamin. Yeah, it's good. A fantastic goal <laughs> for Glenn Torren. I saw it when you put it up. Yeah, against Coleraine. I thought, what a goal. I mean, the way he hit it and the way he's got his hips straight in, like, almost just punched that ball in with, with his left foot. And then I was working away on Monday and Uddy said, yeah, it was just like the goal that uh, William scored. And I went and had a look at the goal that William scored for Fulham. And I thought, well, do you're absolutely spot on. What a goal that William scored. So two very, very He's similar goals. He has it, you know. I mean, again, 
it's all about, and the podcast that we do with Al, and the podcast that we do uh, on The Current View, that we look at football in, in the way that, you know, through the eyes of, of, of us three and the way that we look at it, the way that I've been educated. And just because a player doesn't come off with a team or a manager wants to get rid of that player doesn't mean to say he can't go to another team and blossom and it's 1-1 Sack has just scored the penalty Edison made a right cock up um, but but again made a cock up. Uh, Edison the goalkeeper he's gone out he's a free game well penalty and Sack has just placed the ball in the back of the net from the spot it's 1-1 but William I mean he, he went to Arsenal and he didn't have the best of times there at Arsenal Went, went away. Did he go with South, uh, Saudi Arabia and play somewhere like that? You're not going to have the best of times if you're not playing it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And and Chelsea disregarded him. But he's playing there at Fulham now. He's rejuvenated. He's an absolute superstar. What a player. But um, I think... It, his again, technique's always been there. Oh, absolutely. But again, I think when he was towards the end of his days at Chelsea, played out of position. You know, and, and if you play the players in the right position... And, and given that license, that freedom to do what they do best, it's not surprising that they actually deliver the goods and, and that William did for Fulham. Fulham, again, looking good, good value, as are Brentford, uh, as are Brighton as well. You know, sides that ordinarily aren't traditionally big six, big eight, top ten sides in the Premier League, but the recruitment of all three of those clubs and the managers of all three of those clubs enable them players to go out, play and get results in the top league. It, well, we call it the top league in the world. And I think that I think we're absolutely right, because I think in terms of playing against stiff opposition, quality opposition week in, week out. I think the Premier League is the strongest league. It might not be the most skillful, but I think it is the most difficult to win. Oh, without a question, without. I mean, you have got six or seven clubs. Yeah. What's capable of winning it? But the, there's always the two strong ones at the end of the day, isn't there? Absolutely. And I think if you look at leagues in France, you look at leagues in Belgium, you look at leagues in, in Holland and and other, you know, European uh, nations. I think if you put some of our teams that finish in the top, say, for instance, sixth or seventh, they'd probably win some of those leagues or be in the top two or three. But because our league is that strong, um, they, they do fall a little bit short at times because of the strength of some of the big hitting clubs that we've got. And I didn't like to mention it too, but um, that free kick from Nathan, was it Broadhead uh, for Ipswich against your beloved Sheffield Wednesday? Great... I thought it was a phenomenal, phenomenal free kick. Technique was yeah, superb. It was brilliant. Great, great goal. Yeah, it great was. Goal. Absolutely. You're so, not going to stop them, Gabby. I think you could have two goalkeepers yeah. there and, you, and you're not. I always think that if you're able to put that ball in that place with such, you know, accuracy and pace, then that you have to just hold your hands up and, and, and applaud and say, you know, well done. Yeah. So, Listen, you've got to give credit where it's due. Absolutely. Um, fabulous free kick. Absolutely. Quality. Uh, and again, really, when you look at it, and we're going to go on to uh, League One, watch a little bit uh, later in the podcast. 
a good result, really, for Sheffield Wednesday. I know when you're two up away from home and a 2-2 isn't particularly a good result. But I think when you're looking at Ipswich, third in the league going into the game, Sheffield Wednesday was second going into the game. You know, I think that Dadham Moore would have, would have taken a draw. Of course, he would like to get all three points and take them back to Hillsborough. But I think a one one, a 2-2 draw, rather, was a fair, decent result. Um, Listen, when you look at that, you're playing, the, you know, one of the teams that's challenging for promotion. Absolutely. With uh, yeah, the 2-0 up. Yes, they should have won. Make no mistake, they should have won. Yeah. You, shouldn't, you shouldn't be dropping points when you're 2-0 up. But before the game, as... I mean, I'll I'll go along with this. Before the game, if you don't get beat against them, they haven't gained any points on you. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So, and it's like I always say, when people are disappointed with results like that, it's what you would take before the game, and and before the game, if you was to be offered that, you think, yeah, okay, because it's a double whammy. We're still picking up a point. Uh, they're not making any inroads on us, so they're in the same position. That six-pointer uh, is a good, real good result for us because it does keep that little bit of distance between Sheffield Wednesday and Ipswich. And Wednesday looking good, but we will look at the league in a little bit more depth later on. What we're going to look at before we go into book corner is the woke have spoke. And I did say, you've got to be joking. When I looked at a report that there. Uh, suggested that Harry the Haddock couldn't go to Southampton for the fifth round of the FA Cup with uh, all the Grimsby Town supporters. Uh, I just thought that's just absolutely ridiculous. If people keep giving them uh, the platform, you know, the platform grows for them. And I'll tell you this, all the, I mean, there's two of them gone now, the New Zealand Prime Minister, she's gone. This idiot up in Scotland's gone. The more yeah. the more of these go, the better the world will be. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's just stupid. Going back to the VAR. I mean, we've got the VAR and we've got referees up there, right? Yeah. Trying to analyse the game. I still get it wrong. Work that out. I can't. We're going to, we've got it in topics of the week. I do want to talk a little bit. We don't like to go on about VAR because VAR, VAR isn't the problem. It's the idiots that work VAR. So the, there's nothing wrong with the technology. It's the humans that are working the technology. That's the problem. But they, I was listening today and um, Southampton have been liaising with Grimsby, vice versa, and they have given it a green card now, rather well, green light rather than a red card. And Harry the Haddock will be allowed to the fifth round of the FA Cup when Grimsby take on Southampton. A great cup run for Grimsby. And uh, Harry the Haddock, uh, great um, great mascot. Brilliant, absolutely. It's a fantastic uh, run for, for Grimsby because such as that, it's, it's, money, it's money into the club. Absolutely. You know, it, it helps pay the wages or it helps buy a new player. Yeah. And that's why I, I can't understand any club not wanting to play, you know, the first team and try and win a coach. People said to me about country, there is more than one thing, but his emphasis was about winning. Scottish Anglo Cup, Italian Anglo Cup, Scottish, whatever it was called that. Yeah, it was League the uh, Anglo, oh, Anglo know, Scottish. He to win trophies by yeah. I think that's what the trophy's there for, isn't it? If you're in a competition, you want to win the cup. 
And 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 you, Do you remember when Jose Mourinho came? He what saying wanted to win all the trophies. Of course you do, yeah. Right. And then it started going down the other way, didn't it? Yeah, because again they get a little bit greedy because when they start winning league titles in Champions Leagues, they start going, oh well, forget about the little the little cups. And this is what the elite are trying to do. Let's but get rid of the FA Cup. You know, you try, I mean, he's won more league cups than anybody him. Yeah, he has. Yeah, and Arsene Wenger, you know, um, I think he won seven, didn't he? Arsenal won seven under uh, Wenger, a phenomenal amount of FA Cup wins, but. But a lot of these managers, you're right, they look at the FA Cup and they just think, well, we can't be bothered with the FA Cup. We can't be bothered with the League Cup. All we can be bothered in is staying in the damn Premier League or getting promoted to the Premier League. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, I, 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 don't, I don't see the value of that. I'd rather win a cup, get relegated, than stay in the, in the league because... If you're not good enough to stay in the league, what's the point of being in the league in the first place? You are what you are. You are, you are where you deserve to be. Go out and try and win every game of football that you play. And if you're not good enough for that, then you shouldn't be in that league. It's simple How does your that. team improve? How do you improve can't. your players? You can't. You know, by just going, you know, defending, teaching them how to defend all the time. Absolutely, you can't. There's no improvement. That's what I've always said in international football. The minnows shouldn't be in these these, um, qualification groups because they learn nothing. They just put 10 men behind the ball and the goalkeeper as well, make it difficult uh, to, to score against. Oh, any clown can do that. They're going to learn more if they're playing against like-minded sides that have similar ability and they're playing in a match, not in a massacre. And they go out, they play football. And that's how they, that's how they learn to play football by playing against, yes, slightly better players, <clears throat> but in a match situation where they go forward and try and win. That's the old emphasis and that's the old philosophy, or it should be, in playing football, not just sitting back and defending. If that's all you can do, go and play in a league that uh, you, that, that you're not frightened to if, uh, to play in. If the players were honest, they'll tell you that they're so frustrated of going in and having to play like that. Absolutely. But they get paid, so they should up and get on with it. Absolutely, T. But again, in my book, totally pointless. If you're in a cup, Try and win it. If you're playing in the league, try and win the game. Whatever game that you, you that you're playing in, play forward. Try and win the game. Try and be entertaining. Football is an art. It's not a science. Book corner in association with myfootballbooks.com. Uh, Andy from My Football Books always gives us a recommendation. And this week, Arthur Kinnaird, the first Lord of Football by Andy Mitchell. And on this day, Thursday, the 16th of February, 1847, um, Lord Kennard, or Arthur Kennard, was uh, was born. He won five FA Cups, played for Scotland, and was president of the Football Association for 33 years. Quite an achievement and quite, quite, quite an Yeah. All recorded in this wonderful book. So if you do want to know more about and learn more about Arthur Kennard, check out his book, The First Lord of Football by Andy Mitchell. A bit before our time, too. But again, the way that we Still, I look... Still, I've respect to people watch, you know, done a good job. Absolutely. And the that's... game itself. Well, that's what we do at The Current View. We look at the football journey from the <coughs> beginning of time to now. 
and and players like Arthur Kinnaird are just as important as players like Harry Kane and vice versa. It's all football. It's all a journey. And you can't help playing in the era that you play because that's when you were born. Yep, exactly. So always remember, remember fondly and never shall we forget. They are too good to be forgotten. Football was invented back in the 1800s, not 1992. Uh, a book that, um, that, that I enjoy, I haven't read it yet. I did do a podcast with John Sperling. Get it on, how the 70s rocked football. Uh, <clears throat> fabulous book here, or I say a fabulous book of 500 pages and it's all about the 1970s so anytime that I see a book on the 70s uh, it interests me I put it into my library and one of these days if I ever get time I'll sit down and read it but it's a, a great front cover Charlie George uh, having a row with Terry Ibby on paper that looks a little bit of a mismatch because Charlie was a big fella and, yeah. uh, and Terry wasn't but again both great players, weren't they, Charlie George and Terry? Really, best player I've ever played with, Charlie. Mm. And a lovely guy, you know. But what, you know, stuck up on himself on a football field yeah. because as a striker in the forward, you do get a lot of stick. And Charlie took an awful lot oh. of stick. The better the player, the more stick you take. You would have been identified when you played. Smash Curran early. See what happens. Alan Hudson, Tony Curry, all the great players took more stick than average. They're going to they're gonna identify. Managers identify the biggest threat that any other team poses, and it's always the best player. So guess what? The best player takes more stick and gets injured more. Charlie George, one of the all-time greats and uh, one of the stars of the 70s. Yeah, but listen... Things he would do in training were unbelievable. And he, and he, not only did he do them in training, he took them out onto the pitch. He was an entertainer. Absolutely. And, uh, and of course, won the double with uh, with Arsenal. Won the, yeah. um, won the championship. Won the league title with... Uh... Derby County in 75. And could have won the, uh, the, European, the European Cup, Cup as well. Yeah, but uh, again, cheated out of European competitions, as were many English teams in the 70s. Uh, football was slightly different then in terms of the way that they cheat. But, well, um, I, won't say, I don't think it's any different. I think there's, there is, there's still those shenanigans going on. Oh, without a doubt, but I think it was more obvious then. I mean, Leeds United, yeah. when they got done uh, by Milan in 1973 in the um, Cup Winners' Cup final, the referee turned up on the, on the same plane as the Milan team. So, yeah. you know, I think I, I think it was a lot more obvious in them days. They they didn't seem to try and hide it like they try and hide it these days. What makes me, what makes me laugh is that uh, regardless of what the authorities say, They'll say, no, there's no cheating. There is cheating going on. 100%. And they're there to try and catch anybody what's cheating. Yeah. Not keep saying it, it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. If it's such thing as it doesn't happen, make sure it doesn't happen. Yeah, absolutely. So you are the um, you are the caretakers of the game. Make sure that you look after it. But sadly, they don't. They tend to look after their own uh, bank Pocket. accounts. Yeah, Absolutely. And as a consequence, corruption has been absolutely rife. You've only got to look at the uh, corruption in, in FIFA, certainly in um, 
<coughs> set Blatter's day. And um, Platini at, at UEFA as well. What a pair of criminals they were. But moving on, uh, in sunshine or in shadow, a journey through the life of Derek Dugan by David Tossel. And David's wrote or written uh, a wonderful book about the 70s, all crazy now. But uh, he also wrote, he, he wrote the um, book Natural about Jimmy Greaves as well. Uh, David Tossel, a tremendous football writer, that this book here, In Sunshine or in Shadow, A Journey Through the Life of Derek Dugan by David Tossel. The Doog. I mean, what a player. Did you yeah. come across the Doog? Yeah, we used to do what they call it, uh, Gabby. You know, um, Yorkshire Television. Yeah. <coughs> oh, OK. We used to do Yorkshire Television. Uh, I forget what, ITV Sports, wouldn't it? Well, yeah, it would be, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We you all... used to come on Sunday afternoon, I think. Yeah, we had Star yeah. Soccer. That was the first time that I saw you uh, on Star Soccer. Hugh Johns used to be the commentator. You oh, had the big England. match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had the big match, didn't you, in uh, in the London area? That's what it's called, the big match, wasn't yeah. it? Well, in, 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 in the Midlands, it was always Star Soccer. So that's what yeah. we used to watch, Star Soccer. Um Usually Birmingham, well, Birmingham City, Wolverhampton Wanderers, Aston Villa, Nottingham Forest, Derby County. Well, I met him twenty well, times too. What was he like to play against? How did you? I'm did... not sure. I'm on about when when he finished because he would he did a he, he was the big man at uh, Yorkshire Television. Right. Okay. He was like, Martin Tyler was the commentator. Yeah. Um, but he was the one like uh, Jimmy Hill. Was for match day. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, got you. Yeah, yeah. And so he was the he was the anchor for uh, ITV. And he was quite a pioneer as well, wasn't he, the Doug? Yeah. I mean, he was uh, PFA like chairman. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, PFA chairman. I mean, he won't never, you know, shy to voice his opinions. SRB Media. 